Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, March 25th, 2021. How is everybody doing? How are all all the sports fans out there? We got a great show for you today. This is your host, Mike Abadir. We'll be joined by Gino Bacola shortly here, but we're going to get right to it because we got a great guest lineup, all-star guest lineup, starting off in the leadoff spot. We've got the primetime capper. Of course, I am talking about Pop DiBiase. And then we're going to have Rick Saratella, of the NFL Draft Bible, you guys all know him, frequent guests. They are now with Sports Illustrated, so we'll get a feel for how that kind of merger is going along and talk a little bit about NFL free agency and the upcoming draft. But let's get right to it with Pop. Pop, good afternoon. How are you, brother? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Always a pleasure to be on your show, Mike. Always. Appreciative of having you on, my man. Let's let's get right to it, man. Just a quick impressions of this uh, men's tourney, March Madness. We've seen some upsets. What are your impressions so far? And uh, for those who have not signed on to any of Pop's services, uh, Pop is a is an ultimate handicapper, both in the worlds of horse racing and professional American sports. And so he gives out a VIP level of service when it comes to giving out plays. So I want your impressions and how have your plays done thus far? Well, we rock and roll last week in the uh, tournament last week. There was a lot of good spots for us last week, especially with the, all the upsets and the things that occurred. Um, we did. We actually had an awesome Sunday as well, too. And Monday went, went decent. And uh, this week has been kind of up and down. You know, that's the game for you and everything like that because some of these spots and these matchups are kind of uh, tricky because, you know, that's what the, that's what the odds makers' jobs are uh, to do to make sure it gets a little tricky for you. But it's my job to make sure you, you find the right spot and everything like that. So I felt like we were in the right, right places at the right time. You know, I'm very thankful for teams like Lowell and Chicago for covering that eight-and-a-half-point spread. Um, also very grateful for uh, US, UCLA being able to win cash out two dog bets in a row because I put them on money line in both of those games, and they were able to cover the five spot as well, too, against old uh, Abilene Christian. So, yeah, I think that pretty much it went exactly the way that I would want it to go the first week of the uh Turning, but the second week is really where that really where you got to really put your cap on, man, and really you got to stop thinking about who's going to be the big dog and who's the big favorite. You just got to look at the matchup in general and say to yourself, and just to, and it's not even a flip the coin situation. You just say to yourself, who who's looking good coming into this spot? If I would say something like this, I would say right now, both of the top seeds. Baylor and Gonzaga are going to probably have their toughest games of the tournament coming up uh, this weekend because you have Gonzaga going against a very, very strong Villanova team. This is a team that's won the national championship twice in the last five years. So 
they still have the mojo there with you know with Jay Wright and everything like that, and they still have players there that were a part of the last uh, national title team as well too. So they're in a good they're in a spot right now where you know remember who we are. And then Florida State is a team that's a question mark who could have been in the Final Four last year, but now they're going against Baylor, a team that everybody has pretty much kind of chosen in a sense to, you know, probably be cutting down those nets other than Gonzaga, who's looking like an absolute machine at this moment in time. But Baylor has been in a spot like this before, and they've, you know, they've they've faltered. And um, it's going to be tough because, you know, they're going against a very, very good team um, in that spot. And I think that it's going to be absolutely amazing when we get to that game and everything of that nature, man. And I think uh, a lot of people should be excited about uh, what we uh, got looking forward. And I'm so sorry, the Florida State game is with Michigan, actually. And I'm going to tell you guys like this, Michigan looks like the most vulnerable number one right now out the group with the three that are left over, in my opinion. I would agree with you on that front. You know, it's interesting because a lot of the East Coasters call us whiny when we say that there is a left coast bias. There's an East Coast bias. Uh, Actually, it's right right coast to them, left coast to us. But nonetheless, an East Coast bias, right? But the reality of it is, I think we have a right to voice our opinion. Because look at how the West has done so far, Pop. I mean, Gonzaga obviously has been a favorite throughout. But how about teams like USC and Oregon dropping Kansas to their worst March Madness NCAA tournament defeat ever? SC lays the wood on third seed Kansas by 34 points. And then how about Oregon upsetting the number two seed Iowa by 15 points, right? And then we also have UCLA. Now, UCLA probably had the easiest road of any of these West Coast teams to get to where they are. But, hey, they got it done, and they've got a big matchup against Alabama where I give them a shot. But overall, I think the West has really done pretty well considering there were a lot of people going into this season that were saying, will the Pac-12 even produce you know anybody that's worthy of, uh, of, a, of a tournament seeding? Right. And that was that was to me unfair because they knew what was happening this year that Arizona was going to have to bow out due to sanctions, you know, because there's actually was supposed to be six teams in the tournament this year coming from the Pac-12, but Arizona was playing on a kind of a free season this year because they've already, to, you know, the, you know what happened with the allegations with Aiden and things like that, so they self-imposed the uh, tournament ban to themselves, so that's why. You know, you get a situation where they were only going to damn near let in four teams. And I think that pretty much that was a a slap in the face right there as well, too. Oregon State had to win out to be the fifth team. And um, I think that that was kind of like, okay, a compliment at the end of the day with the committee. Like, okay, we're going to make sure you guys get your five teams in. You know, even though Oregon State never had a chance to get in here, we'll make sure that, you know, we we get that four team in there, and that was UCLA. And UCLA, you know, because there was a lot of questions like, well, 
should UCLA be, you know, considered for the tournament because their wins came in a very kind of easy uh, non-conference schedule. But that wasn't on UCLA, though. You know, UCLA had to play against the local teams because they literally would not let these guys travel out the state of California. So they had to go against, you know, the small – they had to go and, you know, really go get the Big West to come on over and give you some good games. And, you know, UCLA's real defining game of the season that wasn't a conference game was the San Diego State game, the opener. And a lot of people had this idea that, you know, UCLA was going to be kind of a, a you know, a very uh, – was going to be short. You know what I mean? And it was, they weren't – they were have a middle of the season, but – they had the players in place to make a push to the Final Four. Johnny Juzang was an All-American going to uh, Kentucky. And uh, Jules Bernard is another really good player as well, too. And, um, you know, Jaime was very, very good in high school. So these guys, you know, Cronin's doing the right thing. It's all California guys. And then USC has probably the guy who could be the number one pick in the draft and Evan Mobley as well, too. So, you don't get so you get you're shocked by it, but then you say this is how it was supposed to be. You know what I mean? In the end, this kind of reminds me of a year when the SEC got a little, uh, you know, a little distant in a sense, and everybody was just Kentucky and the, and we're, we're letting the little dwarves as well too. They wound up putting I think what three teams in the uh, Final Four <laughs> that year. So pretty much that's they're they're almost in the same that was almost the same scenario as we're going through. This year, and I think that these West teams are just showing their talent, and that's all it is. I right, completely of the day. agree with you. Yeah, and, and the only distinction between the SEC and the in the year that you're talking about and this is, it seems like it it continuously happens when it comes to the West Coast in all sports, really. Um, but especially, I think in basketball, there's there's not as much respect out here. And hey, I get it. I mean, the West hasn't been as dominant, you know, pretty much outside of Arizona and UCLA. Um, you know, it most of the, the 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 winners, let's just say, come from you know what Kentucky and east of Kentucky, right? Maybe the Mississippi and east of the Mississippi, or something like that. And I get it. Um, and forgive me, all Oregon State fans, for not mentioning their superb play so far—a 12 seed knocking off number four Oklahoma State was that was big. That was real big. And before that, they knocked off, they knocked off the fifth-seeded Tennessee Volunteers. And when I say knocked off, I mean, Pop, they laid the wood to Tennessee. They beat them by 14 very comfortably, by 10 over Oklahoma State. They've got a very winnable matchup against Loyola, and I understand Loyola's hot. They just beat Illinois, uh, you know, a, a number one seed, of course. But I think Oregon State can make this really, really interesting when we have a 12 seed advance. Either way, Pop, we're going to have an 8 or a 12 seed advance in this thing here. So real quickly, before we move on to baseball, Pop, how can any listener out there who maybe wants to give a shot to some of your picks, do you have like a, a, a package that you could give the Mike Abbott your listeners? All right. Well, you know, if you guys want to come on in, you guys can uh, always uh, come check us out over at primewavemedia.net. And we have plenty of packages there. We have 
the I have the basketball package there as well too. But if you want to just go ahead and get the rest of the month, you guys, there is a monthly package there that is a hundred dollars there for you guys. So you guys can go ahead and check that on out. And then if you want to be with me for the rest of the year, that's going to be a different price. But actually, I'm I'm actually kind of generous right now. So if I'm DM'd about that personally, I'll go ahead and I make sure that. Um, you're taken care of in that portion as well, too. So you guys can always DM me on the Twitter at PopDBIC, or you guys can hit me up on the IG as well, too, at DBICWave underscore, or just email me at PopDBIC425 at gmail.com, and we can go from there. There you have it. That's good stuff there. Check out Pop's work. DM him, maybe ask him for a sample pick or something like that. This guy is open-minded, but he delivers winners ultimately. So definitely check out Pop. And and one more thing, I don't mean to interrupt. You guys make sure to watch the show daily, uh, the Primetime Angles. You guys can always look it up on Facebook. Just look up the Primetime Angles show. You guys sign up. You guys go ahead and subscribe to Prime Wave Media. You guys will not miss that show daily. It's at noon, from noon to one. Mike is always there with us on Wednesdays. And my final segment for the show is a segment called Talking Tickets. So I do give out a good, nice little parlay and everything like that on a daily basis. And I always say single what you like out that group as well, too. Yeah, actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you give out a lot of free content. So if somebody just wants to be a regular, tune in, you, you could get a lot of free content, you know, beyond what you just said in terms of the freebie. You know, he gives out a lot of um, win totals for teams, a lot of the prop bets, stuff like that, too. So definitely get in on the show. Pop, let's let's yeah. move on over to baseball. And we don't have as much time as we want to to necessarily do a very thorough American League Central preview. But maybe just some impressions about this division. You know, it's kind of been a three-headed monster maybe over the last two seasons in terms of the Twins and the Indians. But with with the White Sox retooling, bringing up some big-time prospects and being mentioned amongst those top two. Those are the three, and then you got Detroit, who's in the rebuild, and Kansas City, who's kind of in a halfway spot. They've already, they're already far along with the rebuild, and they're now starting to pick up some free agents and some trades and stuff like that. How do you assess this division? This division, to me, once again, is just exactly what you said to start off. It looks like a three-headed monster, but really... At the end of the day, as we spoke about on my show a few weeks back, uh, it looks like it's going to come down to the uh, White Sox and the Twins, to be honest with you. Because with the Indians getting rid of their best player, I just don't see the Indians being that good of a team this year. Francisco Lindor used to be a bailout batter. He used to bail them out so many times that they needed some needed to be ignited in a certain part of the game. Here comes Francisco Lindor with a nice triple, double, a home run. And I don't know if they have that guy this season. I think that that guy might be around next season, but this season I don't know about that. And I think that that's going to kind of hinder the Indians in a sense. So then it comes down to the Twins and the White Sox. I mean, and so pretty much – the winner has, is the team that's going to have the better pitching because I think that they're equal when it comes to hitting, but when it comes down to pitching, I think that advantage goes to the White Sox. How about you? What you think? I mean, that's, I mean, you laid it out really well. I mean, 
to call Francisco Lindor the bailout hitter, I mean, that's that might be the most be the biggest understatement of the year. I mean, look at this lineup now, Pop. I mean, I'm just going to read down the list from catcher and through the infield, through the outfield and DH. Really, I mean, Jose Ramirez at third and, and Fran Mel Reyes, you know, um, big-time slugger they got from the Padres. They got the Padres uh, prospect right fielder and Josh Naylor. But reading down this list, Roberto Perez, Jake Bowers, Cesar Hernandez, Andres Jimenez, Eddie Rosario, Bradley Zimmer. Who? 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 What did I? What did I just read off there? I mean, there isn't anybody who's a bona fide, everyday player that has all star potential that I just mentioned there. Now they did make a couple of nice moves. One of them being to get Ahmed Rosario from the New York Mets. This guy really has been one of their top tier prospects for a long time, but he never really panned out. But he was one of the prized pieces, supposedly, in the uh, uh, – or, or did he come as a free agent or part of the Lindor deal? Lindor, Lindor did would, bring a nice package. Yeah, so he's he one of the guys. Package, Ahmed Rosario. He's a part of that package as well, too. Yeah, yeah but Rosario has kind of – he hasn't really lived up to expectation hitting-wise up till this point so far. But anyways, point being, it's a very weak lineup, Pop. I mean, Fran Mill – can, he can hit you 40, 50 home runs, but with that lineup, I mean, he might hit 40 home runs with 70 RBIs, right? Because they, they don't they don't have a very good lineup. I think what they're looking at here is a uh, Oakland A's type model where you start with pitching and kind of hope for the best. Because, you know, at least on the front end of the rotation, Bieber and Plesak are legit. Those are two really, really good young pitchers. And so... Uh, I think anytime you start with that, it might be a little bit easier to build than if you have a ridiculously good lineup and zero pitching. You know what I mean, Pop? Right, exactly. And that's one thing that will keep the Indians in the race. But I think when it comes down to the crunch days of August and September, the Indians will figure out a way to mess that thing up. Yeah, I I, I think I I definitely agree with you. And I agree with you on the top two spots. It's going to be a a competition, really, between the Chicago White Sox and the Minnesota Twins. Those are definitely, in my mind, the best two pitchers. Uh, The White Sox did add some pitching experience in Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn to the rotation. Um, That goes uh, along with what is a pretty stacked lineup that middle of the lineup for the Chicago White Sox is going to hit a lot of home runs and drive in a lot of RBI they've got a good mix and match of veterans and young guys and and prospects that are looking to achieve their peak seasons like Juan Moncado veterans like Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu Luis Robert is a big time prospect Adam Eaton they got from the Nationals that guy could hit and he could run Andrew Vaughn at the DH spot so this team is looking good Minnesota, uh, they've kind of been the uh, at the top of this division for a couple of years now, and uh, you know, and I, I think they made a really good move the other year when they got Kenta Maeda. So uh, overall, man, this is going to be a fun division. Let me give you a dark horse, and this is going to be no surprise to any of our listeners because I kind of pick them as my dark horse almost every year. That's the Kansas City Royals. I, I know most people don't give them a shot, Pop, but they they're kind of retooling quietly and nicely. They got pretty jerseys, too. You always <laughs> love to see the Royals play. 
because they got nice jerseys, man. Those baby boys, powder blue jerseys when they break them out. OMG, you know what I mean? They, they're such a clean-fitted team as well. So, you know, I, I, and I always say to myself, the Roy- I'm with you too. The Royals always seem to be the wild card. And this has been like the last decade as well too in the division because they've been able to build over the years too with a lot of prospects in the uh, minor league system as well. But they always figure out a way to get some good veterans as well too in the offseason. And that's what they did this year. And the big question mark with the uh, Royals is, is consistent pitching. They don't have bad pitching. They have middling pitching. So if they they can be consistent in winning, then they have a shot. They they're they're a good little wild card there, and they bring a lot of value to the table if you're a better betting futures as well too. Yeah, no doubt about that. I love that move for Andrew Benatendi from the Red Sox. Michael Taylor is a really really terrific center fielder. He can man center field like anybody. The guy can fly. Pop, tell our listeners how they can follow you one more time, my friend. All right, so if you guys want to sign up to be a client and everything or go ahead and watch uh, some great uh, content and everything like that, go to primewavemedia.net. And you guys can go to the YouTube and sign up for the Prime Wave Media group there as well, too. And then you guys can subscribe. And I have uh, hundreds of videos there for you guys. And daily we have the show that comes on daily there as well, too. You guys can also follow me on the Twitter at PopDiBiase. And you guys can follow me on Instagram at Wave underscore. And also to watch the show on Facebook, go to the Primetime Angle Show. And you guys will be able to watch that on Facebook as well, too. And that's the Primetime Angles Live. And then we also have Horsing Around for all my horse bettors as well, too. That comes on three times a week, and we only cover Santa Anita. So for everybody who wants to be keen on Santa Anita, come on in and tune on in to uh, Horsing Around, presented by Stable Duel. So you guys uh, check that on out as well, too. And um, that's uh, where you guys can find me at. And uh, if you're ready to go get, get some winners, come holler at me. Pop, you're the man. I'll see you next week, brother. Thank you. All right. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Mike. You have a beautiful day. There it is. The All right. prime time capper himself, Pop DiBiase. All right. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be no, back what? with Rick Saratella and the NFL Draft Bible, Sports Illustrated. Now he does it all. You know the energy that Rick Saratella brings. He don't need no introduction. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. A big thank you once again to Pop DiBiase. The guy really brings it, and he does a really good job covering all sports. Baseball, football, basketball, does a tremendous job with boxing, actually. And also, like you just heard before he stepped away, horse racing. He's got a horse racing show, focuses on Santa Anita. Now, our next guest needs no introduction. We've had him on here many, many times over the years. We love having him. Now, in contrast, his focus is 100% football, all things football, whether it's college football whether it's even, you know, startup leagues that have potential that showcase young players that are looking for a shot or the big time, of course, being the NFL college draft, you name it. This is I I, I hate to even compare him to Mel Kuyper because that's a disservice, in my opinion. You know, it's mainly (laughs) both those ESPN guys combined on roids. That's who we got here. And even though his focus is just football, he knows himself some baseball, even though he follows a really, really crappy team. I'm talking, of course, about Rick Saratella of the NFL Draft Bible, Sports Illustrated. How are you, my friend? Oh, that's why I love the Mike Abadir show. I could come on here. I could talk Yankees. I could talk horse racing. I could talk boxing. You don't get that any other place. And, yes, I am inside the NFL Draft Bubble, but I do love me some uh, glorified pastimes that, quite frankly, you, you can't get enough of that content. You can't find it around so much. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. And um, and that's, you know, look, one of the reasons that we have this platform in, in the first place is to provide the listeners with content that they really can't get anywhere else. Unique coverage, insight, and you've got all of that, especially when it comes to football, Rick. Let's start off a little bit with free agency and start with, of course, the glamour position, the quarterback position. There have been some interesting moves, to say the least, so far. And because we haven't had you on, I don't want to go back too far in time. But just in this free agency time period, in this trade time period, what's kind of surprised you and which guys – Do you look at and say, you know what, so-and-so is a really good fit for whatever, the Colts or, you know, so on and so forth? Yeah, so I I I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick was a great signing. I mean, are are you kidding me? One year, 10 million? 
like you add, I thought that was an upgrade from Alex Smith. You add him now to a really solid defense and maybe add another weapon or two in, in the draft. And that's, to me, that's the front runners for the NFC East. And hey, if you're looking for some good odds, the Redskins to win the NFC East, hey, sign me up, right? I mean, hey, I'm on board with that move. Especially when you look at like the one that surprised me, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he signed a one-year deal for like twelve and a half million to be a backup, or is that foreshadowing? Is it Deshaun Watson leaving? I mean, like you know. So and I think they signed two quarterbacks there in Houston. So uh, to me, that's a little bit of foreshadowing. That that kind of raised my eyebrows. And then, like again, if Tyrod Taylor is going for twelve and a half, and Buffalo signing Mitchell Trubisky for two and a half. Well, hey, that, that's really a good bargain value signing, in my opinion. I mean, uh, what's wrong with that? $2.5 million kind of has that mobility factor that you see in Josh Allen. I, I really like what Buffalo did here in the offseason. They kind of solidified some of the, uh, the areas of need, and I think they're kind of primed for a super run here next season. I like the Buffalo move as well, simply because a lot of times when you have a certain style of quarterback and then your backup has a diff- just plays a different game, really, then when there's an injury, you, you have to do a lot of maneuvering and shifting around and, and dissecting the playbook and going back to see, you know, what can work for this type of quarterback versus that type of quarterback. But here, you know, Josh, Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky have a similar skill set, albeit Josh Allen is more consistent at delivering it, but I don't think they'd have to change their offense too much if, God forbid, Josh Allen had to miss some time due to injury. Yeah, I think it's a perfect fit, actually, and and that's what you want, you know, in case, God forbid, your quarterback goes down, you got a guy, you don't have to change the scheme up. You know, Miami would be an example there where I felt like if hey if Fitzpatrick was the start of the entire season, that team would have been in the playoffs, right? But then they switched over to Tua, who was a little bit more mobile, a little bit more, you know, kind of tuck and run or improvise on the fly type of deal. With Fitzpatrick just sits back there in the pocket, makes decisions. So yeah, I like the Trubisky thing. I like what Arizona did this off season. I mean, I think this is a team. Again, when you, you we've talked about this. When you've got a quarterback on the rookie deal now, you can build up and overpaying for guys like a J.J. Watt who brings veteran leadership. But you talk about Rodney Hudson. I think they made another big free agent splash today. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I, I think, again, you want some odds, go check out the odds for the Cardinals to win the NFC East. Again, sign me up. I got the Cardinals going to the Super Bowl next year. How about that, Mike? I like that pick. The, the, to me, they were actually my dark horse playoff team for 2020. And by the way, man, this is how long you've been intensely following the NFL. Okay. And I'm only pointing this out because it's kind of funny to me, right? Typically, kind of let the slip up, kind of slide a little bit. You, you called it the NFC East for the Cardinals. Because they were in the <laughs> NFC East at one point in time, man. That's how long you've been a football fan. Somebody, at least somebody's paying attention over here. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. I love like, it. That's awesome. I agree right with you, there, man. I think this is, 
look, I think the content of what you're saying is spot on. I think this is a really, really good football team, and they they probably should have been a playoff team last year. You know, they kind of had some unlucky bounces go against them. There were maybe some coaching decisions that I didn't agree with. And then, of course, you had your big-time quarterback miss the final game of the season. So I think this go-around, they've probably learned a lot from 2020, and I think they're going to be pretty loaded going into 2021. I believe if I didn't make a mistake with uh, my tally here, I think Kenyon Drake is a Raider now. Yeah, Kenyon Drake went over to the Raiders, but you know what? They added A.J. Green. They added Malcolm Butler today. They got J.J. Watt coming in. Rodney Hudson, you add that to the mix. I don't know if Fitzgerald will be back or not, but, hey, you got New Hopkins over there and one of the best that does it. Uh, Christian Kirk is an upcoming guy. You know, Chase Edmonds, people sleep on this guy from Fordham. I love Chase Edmonds. He had over four. Hey, he has 400 yards rushing, 400 yards receiving. He's a dual-threat capability out of the backfield, so I think they can draft the guy and be okay there at the running back position. And so I, I, I think it's a good blend of young talent. You know, you got this young core now with the veteran mix where, hey, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones up front, that's a pretty good-looking duo with, Buda Baker there in the secondary, you know, and then you've got Isaiah Simmons at linebacker. If the light bulb ever goes on for him, you've got game changers now at all three levels of that defense. Arizona's locked and loaded, man. I think this team can make a deep run. Yeah, you know who who knows darn well how much I love Arizona and Chase Edmonds? <laughs> it's Gino Bagola because he knows in my fantasy leagues – I'm always picking up Chase Edmonds by hook or crook. He's always on my roster. He has some flashes of brilliance, but uh, I, I like that he's going to be the guy moving forward. So, Gino. Last year, uh, your three I, teams were Arizona, Miami, yeah. and the Raiders, who are sort of your three hot teams. Obviously, you're a Raider fan, but you, you don't always project the Raiders as a playoff team. You, you thought last year they had a shot. And they were all three at, I think, around like week 10 – in the playoffs, all three of them were like looking like the way their schedules were built too. like there was almost going to be no way they wouldn't make it. And then all three of your hot teams at the same time, literally they fell cratered, off a cliff. They literally the fell off time. a cliff. It was pretty amazing that they all three did, but I, they would start getting injuries or just kind of freak losses. But Arizona, I think, is improved. And I do think last year sort of felt like they're the year before you take a leap. Now you add some of the pieces that Rick was just talking about, too. I think they're, uh, they're going to be ripe for a, a really strong year. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, Gino, Rick beat me to the punch, and I'm late to the game here. But I didn't know or I forgot. Happy birthday, my friend. Oh, thank you. No problem. Yeah. You, it, 34 now I posted. So uh, Shaq, uh, Sweetness, uh, Nolan Ryan. We got a, we have a good uh, good little thread going of, uh, of the, the good number 34s through the year, though. I think so, it's got to be Sweetness. What do you think, Rick? Best 34? Well, if he's Nolan Ryan, who's Robin Ventura? <laughs> 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 Not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah, that was great. So, uh, um, it was a, a lot of fun yesterday. I got to uh, got to uh, get a lot of messages from someone. So, thanks to that, Mike. But it's a great time, man. As Rick Rick was talking football, we're 
literally in the the middle of one of those awesome uh, periods of of sports where we're going to be having like four or five uh, sports rolling at the same time and we're getting all this football news and free agency and then all leading up to the draft so uh it's it's another great sports period yeah no doubt hey before we kind of have some draft questions for you rick i'm kind of curious as to you know the decision making that went into carson wentz to indianapolis Obviously, their head coach has a lot of experience with Wentz, and his best seasons came when Reich was there. But do you think this is a good fit? Do you think Wentz can resurrect his MVP style of play, that level of play? Or has he just lost his confidence and been too banged up to really be able to live up to expectation? You know, I'm not a strong believer. I I, I wouldn't say, like, hey, uh, not only am I a client, but I'm also the president. I wouldn't go that far. But I would say that, hey, it, it was the best situation for him, right? It's a reclamation project, and if he's going to recapture, and, and let's be honest here, right? Like, let, 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 let's be real. Like, Carson Wentz was no dominant quarterback. Like, he showed flashes. He had spurts. You know, he might have had a couple games there, you know, where uh, he looked really good, but Let's remember that Super Bowl. That was that was you know Nick Foles <laughs> bringing them to the, the the hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. There it wasn't, it wasn't Carson Wentz. So you know, let's remember like they they went into the season with Sam Bradford. You know, it wasn't Carson Wentz. So I get it. You know, if anybody's going to turn that career around and get him back on the right tracks again, it's going to be in, in Indianapolis. But to me, it all goes back to, again, he doesn't know how to slide. He gets hurt diving head first almost every single season. And, you know, now he's got this fat sack of cash. I just wonder, like, you know, is he really that hungry? I don't he know. He developed I've a lot of bad question. habits, too, the last couple of years. You know, he was like he forced the ball a lot of times. I think sometimes because he had to and there were injuries. And then and then what ends up happening is like you start getting into those bad habits. I think his his really good year, the, the year leading up that you mentioned, that he didn't even really finish the job off. Um, he, his, he had some of these uh, numbers like inefficiency as far as like his touchdown rate and, and how good they were on third down that were like absurd and very like – almost irrational and unsustainable type of numbers. And that's why his gear was that good. You kind of take that one year out and, you know, many people sort of thought the bad years were the outlier and maybe that one really good year was more the outlier and he's more just kind of a guy. I think you're right. Like if anyone can fix it, it's, it's them with Reich and Indy, but there's, there's some things to fix. No doubt. I was just going to say, let's keep it moving here really quickly and uh, get your take before this commercial break on, the New York Giants quietly, at least on the West Coast here, quietly made a, a very good move, in my opinion, in getting a, a former first-rounder just from 2017 of the Tennessee Titans, you know, played his ball out here in the West Coast at USC, of course. I'm talking about Dory Jackson. I think that's a good move for the New York Giants, who, you know, we talked throughout the season, Gino and I, and, and, and you as well, when you joined us during the season, about the NFC least. And it seems to me like each team has the division within their grasp, like literally, and maybe a move or two make the difference between, you know, being fourth or being first. What do you think of Adore Jackson and the Giants? You know, I I think there's some panic going on with 
with the front office there because David Gettleman is now in his fourth season. They have not made the playoffs, and you know he's getting up there in dog years. So I think what you saw was kind of the Giants' mortgage in the future. Now, Dory Jackson specifically, I think that was a good signing. They made a, another corner there in the secondary. They tried to kind of make a, a similar uh signing a few years ago with the Jackrabbit, Janoris Jenkins. He was a little long in the tooth, didn't exactly work out. So maybe a little bit of a younger version, but you're seeing them inject at least or try to attempt to upgrade the talent level, right? John Ross comes in for a $2.5 million deal, another former first-round pick. Like Kenny Galladay, okay, $18 million a year. It's a $4.5 million cap hit this year. Okay, so you're all in. Uh, mortgage the future on the cap, cap end. Okay, uh, Kyle Rudolph, $8 million a year, only a $4 million cap hit this year. Okay, here's a guy who's going to play, all right, 25 reps, but you pair him up with Evan Ingram. It looks a lot better now. Now Daniel Jones has got some security blankets underneath, some targets there. He's got a, a guy who could potentially stretch the field in John Ross. Now he's got a tall outside boundary receiver in a Kenny Galladay, which increases the value and versatility of a Sterling Shepard, now it's really up to Danny Dimes on the offensive side, right? So it's all in on Danny Dimes. That's clear. Is he the guy that can kind of take him there? Uh, to me, again, just like with Carson Wentz, that remains to be seen. Yeah, and I think 2021 is going to be the uh, make-or-break season for Danny Dimes, as you refer to him. Rick, do you have a few moments to stay with us through this commercial break? Oh, you know it, brother. We're talking to Rick Saratella of the NFL Draft Bible, Sports Illustrated, now all things pro and college football. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Closing things up here on the Mike Abadir Show with Rick Saratella talking uh, now into some of the NFL draft and going through some of the moves in NFL free agency coming up. Um, so uh, I, I didn't uh, get a chance to talk to you a lot about this, Rick. I'm not sure if you if you did uh, with Mike before we get into the draft. What were uh, just some of your quick overall thoughts about uh, the Pats spending spree? Well, I, I think, again, that's another guy. Like, who, who's more motivated than uh, – Bill Belichick this year. <laughs> like, yeah. do you think he yeah. doesn't hear the whispers? Right? Like, hey, yeah. maybe it was Brady all along. All yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so again, I mean, Bill Belichick's going on 70 years old. Like, you think he's got time to hang around and rebuild a program, which is, you know, what, what was Cam Newton like the best option? Probably not, but was it a familiar option that he can build on? Okay, sure. I somewhat understand it. I think that Bill just wants to kind of reload here, get his, get his, uh, you know, all his opt outs from the defensive side of the ball back, opting in, and then you, you know, you see, like, hey, I'm going to acknowledge that. Yeah, I drafted two tight ends early in the draft last year. They both busted, and I just went and signed two tight ends in free agency. I'm acknowledging my mistakes. I'm moving on. I'm trying to rebuild the pro- program here so that, uh, you know, I can kind of end my legacy on a high note. And I think that's what Bill Belichick's try- trying to do, at least. Hey, Rick, to, in my mind, the four most important teams this offseason, because of the ripple effect, depending on what they do, are the Jets, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and the Texans. Let's start with the Dolphins. When they exchanged vows and said, I do, to Tua, did they mean that? Is he their guy 100%? Or are they still thinking maybe Deshaun Watson? Obviously, he's got a lot of allegations that have been surfacing. But let's put that aside for the moment. Those are the four ripple effect teams. How do these dominoes fall? Well, with the Dolphins, you know, listening to Brian Flores talk, I, I believe too is the guy. I do. And so, like, let's think about it. If you want Deshaun Watson, you've got to give up three. You've got to give up 18 or 17, whatever they're picking. And you've got to give up probably your second round. And you probably got to give up next year's first round. And you probably got to give up a couple starters. I mean, it's just not worth it to Miami. Like, you've got a guy here that is coming off of major injuries and people forget that. Like they, they expect him to just be lights out. Like he was coming off of major injuries and he showed flashes. Was he a world beater? No, but I mean, today's fandom, I mean, the craziness, like people are so impatient. I mean, this guy started <laughs> like I could count on one hand. How many guys, how many games this guy started in the NFL? Like you can't just keep moving on. Like, yes, there's exceptions to the rule when Kyler Murray, I get it, Josh Rosen, sure, it's, it's, it's not a common thing. 
and, and so, like, you know, is there really a quarterback other than Trevor Lawrence that's better than Tua in this draft? I don't, I don't think so. So, yeah. I, think I mean, I think, was- uh, let me interrupt you for a quick second, Rick. I think the only reason that there might be some impatience down in Miami is because they really just sacrificed 2020 when they were playoff bound to basically push the narrative that two is our guy or they believe in him so much that they're like, you know what, we'll sacrifice the playoff run or the, you know, getting into the playoffs in order to give him the final, whatever it was, nine games of the season so that he could get that experience because we're looking at what that will do for him in 2021 and beyond. Well, they were confident in him enough to let Ryan Fitzpatrick walk away for, you know, what wasn't really a, a significant contract in free agency. So, you know, I, I, I think they believe in Tua. I think Tua is their guy. I think they'll go Penny Sewell and partner him up with uh, Tunsil and have some bookend tackles. Like, you know, who's going to play right tackle? That's the question. Who's going to protect his blind side? And so where does that leave us with the Texans? The Jets and the Jaguars are they? Uh, at least are the two draft teams going to draft who we expect, or are we maybe going to see some big time trades? Yeah, I thought you know I thought that Alex Smith would have been a good backup for Trevor Lawrence there with Urban Meyer going back to his Utah days. That's not going to happen. I think Jacksonville signed somebody else or went in a different direction. So. Gardner Menchie is probably on the move if they can get anything for him. Otherwise, he'll be released. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, listen, Urban Meyer didn't take that job unless he knew Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback. So uh, that's a done deal. You know, sign, seal, deliver, put it in the books. To me, the fact that the Jets haven't sealed the second pick tells me that they're really thinking about taking the quarterback here. I think Zach Wilson is the guy they're honed in on. I do not believe they'll get anything in return for Sam Darnold. I think ultimately they'll wind up releasing him. And, you know, he, he may wind up with Seattle from what I hear, but I don't think Seattle's going to give up any equity to, to try and get Sam Darnold. I think the Jets draft a quarterback and then wind up releasing Sam Darnold. So I think it's, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, one and two. I think Penny Sewell goes three. And then it gets pretty interesting there. It's uh, number four. I think the Atlanta Falcons are uh, another team here that can kind of shift or alter what direction this draft goes in. Great point there, Rick. Last thing before we let you go. What are some of the big upcoming things we could expect from the NFL Draft Bible and the Sports Illustrated platform? where the oh, draft baby. Bible operates now. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, it's been uh, one hell of a run, and, and we're going to have that PDF delivered in your inbox by next week, right? So uh, it's been 300, and, and we're, we're 36 days away, so it's been 330 days of uh, blood, sweat, equity, and like I said on the morning show, the State of Football weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, I said the only thing better then the NFL Draft Bible PDF showing up in your inbox is the NFL Draft Bible hard copy publication showing up on your doorstep, which Mike Abadir and Gino Bay will experience. And it'll be Christmas <laughs> all over again 
in 36 days. Uh, we'll reconvene in Cleveland, and uh, we'll party like it's 1999, guys. Now, just a quick refresher on what the PDF is and how the listeners can get it. Yeah, let's go to allaccessfootball.com. You can reserve the hard copy. You can get the PDF. You can go all access at allaccessfootball.com. We're on Sports Illustrated now, as you mentioned, nfldraftbible.com. And, you know, I think the best way to follow what we do is to go there on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bible. And so you can always keep up with the latest and greatest. We've got the database now, 15,000 players, pro day tracker, off-season tracker. I mean, you name it, we got it. From the front to the back, we deliver like that. You guys know it. I'm telling you guys, from a sports agent perspective, there's nothing better that's out there. To me, this actually is more informative than getting blesto grades, national reports. All you agents out there know what I'm talking about. The Draft Bible delivers you're the best, Rick. Hey, man, you put a smile on my face with that, Mike. And, you know, you're, you're a big reason why we're on Sports Illustrated, so I'm forever grateful for everything you've done. Our friendship now, I think it stems over a decade. And, and you know, for you guys having me on, I, I still say, hey, I'm a yellow jacket guest now. I don't think anybody's made more appearances than me. And if they did, I wouldn't know about it. I think you've got it. <laughs> you got the got yellow it. jacket, my friend. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Appreciate you it. We'll, see, we'll, Appreciate we'll check in with we'll you right before soon. the draft. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you. That's Rick Saratella. NFL Draft Bible delivers the goods each and every year. And I really mean that, Gino, when I, when I say how quality that – report that package with all the draft prospects is man i'm i mean that genuinely it's detailed it's great it's awesome i know you flipped through it you've probably dove into it maybe before fantasy to find out who are maybe some of the rookies that might emerge uh quarterbacks etc i mean it's fantastic and can you believe, uh, Mike, with uh, I know we're just getting ready to, to go right now. If, if, if anybody have, hasn't looked at that, make sure you do. It's, it's incredible and, and the wealth of information. Can you believe that next week when we record, it's going to be in the middle of opening day for baseball? Can't wait, man. <laughs> Thursday. Can't wait. Next hey, Thursday. We, we only have a few seconds left, Gino. Pop and I talked a little bit about the AL Central. Want to get your thoughts. Uh, we kind of concluded that Cleveland is a notch below Minnesota in, in the White Sox, and that the, that's kind of the three-headed monster narrowed down to two. Yeah, and I thought last year was sort of the White Sox uh, um, year to take a step forward, and this year should be a year where I think they're even better. So uh, I'll be high on them, and uh, we'll talk much more about them, continue to preview, and maybe I can get you over on That's What G Said, and we can do a little overall preview sometime coming up. That's all the time we have, but that sounds good, Gino. I accept your invitation, and we will definitely be talking a lot of baseball starting next week. And also, you could tune in to That's What G Said for the upcoming final prep races. We'll talk about them here a little bit. I'm sure we'll look to bring in a guest or two to talk about some of them from a very general perspective. But you guys all know where to get the goods the Mike Abadir Show, that's what G said each and every week. Appreciate your listenership. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Have a great sports weekend, everyone.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.